Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Command Space. I am Mike Hurley, your host. Coming to you a little earlier this week, um, as I'm going to be taking a short break on our usual recording day. But I have with me an excellent guest, also based in the United Kingdom, Mr. Nick Fletcher of Real Mac Software. Hi, Nick. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you? Not bad, not bad. It's, uh, yeah. It's been a while since I'm on. I was on. Uh, looking into the Skype logs, it was February, I think. So uh, it's been a busy year. Because yeah, you uh, you joined us a couple of times on the old show, on the bro show, before we uh, went for the fancy rebranding. <laughs> yes, indeed. So it's been some time. And I think the last time that we spoke, or, or was it right? Yeah, it was the last time we spoke. You kind of did a, a brief interview for us um, about your app, Clear. Yes. Well, the, the you are part of Real Mac Software. Um, yep. And you... you uh, you you are part of the company RealMag who released Clear, which is the fantastic um, iPhone application to do list task management application. It's very generous of you. Well, I mean, it's, I'm still <laughs> using it. I'm I'm going on a trip on Wednesday, and I have my list of things that I need to pack in Clear. Brilliant. I do still use. It's one of my. Um, it's it's not an app that I use every day, but I have. There are no like I, I only use this app for that sort of stuff. Does that make sense? Yep. To like shopping lists and just lists of things to do. If I ever have some uh, some tasks to complete, they're going clear. And it, just because it's so simple, it, it kind of fits my need. Um, have I given a? Do you want to give a brief overview of Clear? I'm sure everybody has known about it by now. <laughs> sure. So um, Clear launched in February of this year. It's an iPhone app, well iPhone iPod Touch app that. Kind of, we tried to rethink how you'd be productive on your phone. Uh, it's gesturally driven. There's very little UI or Chrome to it. Uh, you manipulate the tasks. So you swipe to clear things. You drag tasks around to reorder them. And uh, that's about it in a nutshell, I think. And there's lots of beautiful themes and stuff like that. It's, and there's there's some game elements in there as well. Like you unlock different themes by doing different things. And yeah. it's, it's all a lot of fun, really. So. It's been eight months since you launched the app. You launched it in February this year. Yep. I mean, and it launched with a huge splash. I mean, there was a lot of hype around the application, um, especially coming out of Macworld as well. Um, what mm. has that ride been like, like to where you are now? Um, it's been pretty intense. Um, the expectations are very high for the app. Um, you know that that's uh, that's a great thing to have. You know we have a lot of really excited, very passionate users such as yourself, and um, we've sold uh, probably over five hundred thousand copies. Now it's probably a lot higher than that. That's the the number I can definitely give you. Um, it's been that way for a little while, so it's definitely north of there. Um, and you know we're working on a big update, um, which should be with us before too long, and. Um, yeah, it's it's certainly been a new market for us. As you, as you know, we are a Mac-only software house, or at least were, um, and building something for the iPhone and for it to be wildly successful. Uh, I'm allowed to say that, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been it's been really interesting, and um, yeah. You kind of have answered a question that a bunch of people were asking: Was it, are there going to be any updates? Um, and yes, there is going to be one, so I'm sure we're all looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, I can't say anything more than we're working on it, and it'll be out soon, which is probably a terrible answer to many people. But um, you know, we over the course of the year we've tempered 
not, you know, big feature releases uh, with updates for things like the iPhone 5 and iOS 6. Um, and, you know, keep, keep your eye out, really. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those sort of apps, like there were some changes made early on, um, or relatively early on, where, for example, the character limit was removed mm-hmm. um, to enter in individual tasks. And, and after that, for me personally... I can't really think of anything else that I would necessarily need the app to do. Um, you know, obviously iPhone five support is, is, is great. And if there was other device support in the future, that would also be awesome. But in regards to using clear on my iPhone, I mean, I can't imagine what I would want any more to it because then it's just going to make it more complicated. And that's sure. the total opposite of what I want from the application. <laughs> well, this is the, uh, the dilemma, not the, yeah, dilemma probably is a fair word. You know, we have to, it requires extra thought to add more things to an app. And, um, it's something we take very seriously and, you know, it takes time to get it right. Cause I can imagine you guys have, have got whiteboards full of, things you'd like to add to the application, but yeah. it's not really an application you want to add too much to, as I say. So it must be an, it's, it must be a real interesting thing because usually developers are like, let's just throw more and more features in there um, to, you know, to keep it fresh. But that's kind of the opposite of, of what's being achieved. With yeah, I mean, people love Clear for its workflow or relative lack thereof. You know, it's, it's really simple to just get lists done and really easy to, to say, I've done that. And... Anything else could get in the way of that if it wasn't implemented thoughtfully and carefully. And we're really, really conscientious about that. So, you know, the the clue is in the name that Real Mac is a Mac development house, has been mm-hmm. um, for some time. Ten That's, years in November. Ten, oh, yes, I remember. I think I remember T-shirts. You were yes. Um, <laughs> has this, the success of Clear changed the perspective of the company at all? Um. I think it's opened our eyes to a new market. Yeah. Um, you know, iOS as a platform is always a magnitude bigger than, than the Mac. Yeah. Um, we love building for the Mac, and we're not going to stop building for the Mac. But if anything, it's just, it's just reminded us that we should be on iOS a little more. Yeah, well, it's important. I mean, I guess in the future that might be where we're headed and i want to talk to you about that a little bit later on sure i think it's it's key to note at this time obviously you are an employee of real mac and where otherwise stated your views are your own right yeah absolutely (laughs) that's how it rolls and that might lead nicely into the next sort of things i want to ask you which is about the app store okay so i mean i remember when clear was launched um that it had some really great um featuring i believe you have one of those big banner features and yeah i think it was when app of the week was still around um the day after we launched apple chose to select it as app of the week which was pretty intense and obviously you've had some launches where that stuff didn't well where the app stores didn't exist and Mm -hmm. where maybe you weren't featured straight away how important is that um it's certainly useful and important but it doesn't negate the fact that you have to do your own marketing work and I think there's a really common pitfall that people go, oh, my app is on the app store. Therefore, my job is done. No, it's not. It's like putting your app out onto the internet. You've still got to get people to discover it. You've still got to make sure that people know who you are, why they should buy your app. And um, App of the Week or um, is it Editor's Choice now? Yeah, um, they, 
they are really important spots. You know, they're they're really good for critical acclaim, but they're not the only way to be successful. So, I mean, looking at the App Store itself, and there are, you know, across the Mac and iOS app stores, there are lots of lots of rules and guidelines that are required are required of developers. Sure. What are your opinion on these? If you found that um, in your experience with these the the rules and stuff that they've been relatively easy to follow, or have you found them restrictive at all? Um, we found them, you know, very straightforward, and they are in some ways they're common sense. Um, you know, it's Apple's platform, and they they want to make sure that the platform is as well presented and as clean of spyware and any of this stuff. So they, you know, if we want to be on the platform, we have to accept the rules that they, that they provide. And Apple have said it's a living document and they've shown over the last, what, four years since the app store even debuted that, that it's very much a living document and they've changed it based on the situations where it's needed changing. So that's, you know, Obviously, the Mac App Store is much newer, and we're going through a really big, really big uh, sea change with that because they're introducing this technology called sandboxing, which I think we've discussed before, mm-hmm. um, which poses its own interesting challenges. But ultimately, it's in the interest of customers, and you know we're we're just getting on doing it. That's kind of you, you accept that as well, right? Because you don't, especially on the Mac, you don't have to be in the store right now. You can continue to sell how you've sold in the past. Um, yeah, absolutely. But you don't. You're making the decision to to con, to continue in the Mac App Store and, and develop your app around um, the sandboxing stuff. Yeah. Well, Apple have fairly quickly iterated on. The, the very first version of sandboxing and um you know for, for appearance's sake it seems that it's a you know that subject to people saying oh they're just going to drop it you know apple's invested heavily in both gatekeeper which is the alternative to the mac app store and um all the stuff that relates to sandboxing so um you know there's 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 avenues for everybody so i want to talk to you a little bit about um app user experiences i mean sure it's it's obvious that we've we've clear um what you guys were looking to create was an application that had a unique and and immersive experience and, and was built around um the way that somebody would want to use an app like that and through conversations that i've had with you i know that you know user experience and the way that apps work is an important thing for you so what do you think makes a great experience when you're using an application um, hmm. something that in hindsight seems obvious right. that sounds really cliche but the more you look at going beyond apps because they're just they're a, they're a service you design you know, everything's designed so you can look at I don't know, physical devices and things like that the things that when you pick an app up that feel obvious in hindsight that's really great design that's really great user experience you know things um Things like that. Um, basically, where the app is smart enough to recognise that it's encountering somebody with personality, when the app has a bit of an opinion, not too much of an opinion, but enough that it feels charming and entertaining and rewarding to use. That's that's the high level stuff. So, do you think that 
when you're saying about like the personality, do you think Siri is like a good example of that? I think it's a really, yeah, I, I do think it's, um, it's fun to use Siri when it works, right? You know, it's, 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 is it still a beta? I can't remember what Apple's website says. I don't think it is now. Okay. Yeah. That must've been iOS six. Um, sorry. It's been a bit of a busy few months. <laughs> um, so, you know, the fact that you can have a little bit of banter with Siri, you, know, you say, thank you, Siri, or, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, yeah, personality, a little bit of charm into it. Siri, I should, I should thank you to Siri. I'm yeah. alone there. Siri still is registered as, or is, is um, recognised as a beta by Apple. Okay. So I wonder, I wonder if they're going to Google that and they'll just keep it on there forever, like Gmail. How do you define versions of an? You know, they can't exactly say this is Siri 2.0 because it's always learning, always doing. Um, it's probably hard to quantify. <laughs> Indeed. Um, what? What applications do you feel um, that you use on a daily basis sort of sum up what you think a great experience is? Um, so I, I'm going to start with something really basic, and that's a web browser. Um, I use Safari. Um, for the longest of time, I didn't like Safari. I thought 1.0, 2.0. I think I switched to Safari in around about three, but I was still using Camino. Um, May that rest in peace. Um, and, uh, around then, and Safari does a great job of getting out of your face. And there's no, do you want to sign into your Google account? There's no, it doesn't feel as heavy as Firefox on the Mac. Um, and everything is focused on allowing you to do one thing, and that's enter a URL, hit return. And either get the Google search page or the page you want back at you really quickly. And, you know, I think that's a really minimalist, rewarding experience. Um, there's obviously more complex bits to Safari, you know, reader, um, all sorts of stuff. But fundamentally, I think that's a that's, Safari is one of my favorite apps. And I know it's not everybody's favorite app. That's interesting. Um, but I spend a lot of my time in, in the core OS 10 apps. So Safari and Mail. Um, obviously our own apps as well and Xcode a fair bit, but, um, managing the stuff, um, we use a number of web-based tools and that's what I'm dealing with. So, um, a really fast browser is kind of, um, the most useful tool to me. So I would looking at, um, the way that I feel about app design and even on, on the parameters that you kind of set, I would say Tweetbot is a great example. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also they've, they've decided they're going to charge a great price for it as well. Um, yeah. That's not great as in rock bottom cheap for everybody, but it's a price that makes it, that ensures that anyone who buys the app is, it's sustainable basically. Um, and that's, that's important. Yeah. I want to get your take on that actually as a developer, as well as a user. So, um, I would expect everybody to know this by now, but Tweetbot for Mac launched and it launched at the price of $20 in the Mac app store. Um, what was your take on that when you saw it? I mean, you support the decision that they made? Pleasantly surprised. Um, obviously the factors surrounding the Twitter API meant that I thought the price would probably be a little higher than, than the average Twitter user would expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was, you know, it, it's a really fair price because it's a, 
it's a pretty complex app, really. Yeah, I guess, you know, they would love everybody that wants to buy it to buy it, but it, they kind of would run out quite quickly then. And I guess they want to try and spread it out a bit. So pricing it at that level um, has allowed people to, to make the decision. I mean, there are people like myself. I just decided I was going to buy it. You know, it didn't bother me what the price was because I knew that I would use the app um, daily. And, and for me, that's, you know, I, I would easily put $20 into that rather than buying $21 games that I don't play very much. You know, so that it made made perfect sense for me. Um I want to take a, a quick break for our sponsor for this week. And then when we come back from the other side, um, I want to talk a bit about um, device formats and, and some platform stuff. Sure. So um, our sponsor this week is the fantastic people over at Squarespace. Squarespace, they give you absolutely everything you need to create an amazing website, blog, portfolio, your home online. Um, Squarespace have... have revealed some new beautiful templates which i'm going to put in the show notes um i spoke a couple of weeks ago that they had some templates for business well they've got some even they've got some new ones now which are very minimal very beautiful um and i would urge people to go and take a look it will be in the show notes as i said so not only do squarespace provide you these fantastic new templates with squarespace 6 they completely overhauled the way that their site the way that the sites that you can design look They've got some really clean templates that let your content do all the talking. And they're all built with responsive web design in mind. So no matter what device you look on, looking at you know a, a Squarespace 6 website, it scales and fits perfectly. So all of your layout and, and everything is preserved as much as possible and to make sure all your fonts are the same. It doesn't strip out all of the design work that you've done with their beautiful and really simple WYSIWYG editor um, to change your colors and fonts, etc., um, it doesn't strip all of that out and just replace it with a, a, a dedicated mobile theme like some providers. What they do is they use responsive web design to make sure that your site looks as close to the desktop version as possible. You create Squarespace pages with their system called Layout Engine. It allows you to create custom layouts for each of your pages in seconds. You, using their drag-and-drop system, believe it or not, only in your web browser, you can drag in blocks of content such as photos, videos, text, social media content, and lots more, and you can drag-and-drop around to reorder them as you want them to appear on your pages. I really do like Squarespace, and I think that you love it too. They have 24-7 customer support that respond to you in minutes, so they can help you with any issues you may have when switching your new site or starting a new site with them. There's no credit card required to try out Squarespace. Just go to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels and start your two-week free trial. Squarespace is $10 a month and for the standard plan and $20 a month in a limited plan. If you sign up for one year, you'll get 20% off. And if you sign up for two years, you'll get 25% off. So that's off of the uh, monthly fee when you look at it over a yearly basis. And if you decide to purchase, you want to enter the offer code 70 decibels 10 at checkout and you'll get 10% off or an additional 10% off your first purchase of Squarespace. I want to thank Squarespace for the continued support of Command Space and the 70 decibels network. Without them, this show would not be possible. So if you're thinking about starting a site and you want to support the network, the best way to do that is go and try out Squarespace, even if you just go give them a whirl for two weeks, and then you can decide if you want to continue. So, Mr. Fletcher. Yes. We are imminent to a potential iPad 
announcement. So it's Monday. We're tomorrow on Tuesday. We're, we're potentially going to be looking at a iPad Mini, so maybe a seven, eight inch um, iPad device. Yep. We've recently had the iPhone five as well. Mm-hmm. Now, with both of these devices come lots of rumors, and you know we were yeah. expecting these things to occur for a long time before they did. So I want to know, from a development perspective, when do you start thinking about device uh, changes? At what point? Do you, do you go on the rumor or do you go on the announcement? You kind of have to go on the rumor. I mean, you don't have to – you shouldn't pay heed to the rumors so strongly that you end up being wrong or being misled. But particularly for the iPhone 5 and the work we were doing on Clear, it was certainly something that, you know – People have managed to get the iPhone simulator to run at the resolution of the iPhone 5. And so I think pretty much any developer was running the simulator at that size mm-hmm. and seeing how that app worked. If only because they needed to get a grasp of how much time and how much work would be required for their client work if they're doing client work. Um, so rumors obviously play a part in this. Um, nobody outside of Apple really knows what's going to happen. You know, you, you see the demos on stage, but that, that you know, there's such a small group that uh, nobody else really knows. Um, so you just have to play it by ear and and uh, think about the practices with which you're designing and developing, really. Um, I mean, the iPhone has always been slightly responsive in its design because you can be in landscape mode. And so you can think about designing for different ratios and different heights and widths, obviously based around that. Um, but at the end of the day, you still have to wait until it's announced and confirmed before you can really do anything about it. Yeah. You, you don't want to start sort of, if you do client work, as you say, you don't want to start putting those people to work for, for, you know, a cost to you until you know that it's a definite thing. Mm. But if you're doing some in-house stuff, you can kind of, you know, if you've got some spare time, just take a look at how what this is going to be like. You know, with, yeah. as you say, with the um, you know the clever people that are able to hack the simulator, it was simple enough to just run it and just have a look, so you could yeah. get a good idea. Just to see what you know, what what things you're going to come up against, and what's going to trip you up a little. Because I just find it interesting, you know, because there's a whole industry based around Apple rumors. Um, some some of them true and some of them not and you know and then there's a whole sub industry of of technology journalism which is is you know fueled by uh rumor sites and 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 things like that and leaks but it's interesting to think how that can have a impact on development houses yeah because you know you you guys need to you know if 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 you had an application um that you know, you thought you would want to to develop or to um, to uh, you know to upgrade or to change or to, to make some update for for the for a potential iPad Mini. You need to start thinking about that now, if or would have already needed to start thinking about it if you wanted to have it there on launch day. Yeah, and I can imagine that that's quite a pressure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, the jump to Retina from non-Retina displays taught everyone to be designing. In vectors um, from the get go, um, start doing things at 2x. I think for the iPad, you know, people thought, you know, before too long, we'll have a Retina iPad and I'll need to redo all these assets. So I may as well start it at two times anyway. Um, 
So yeah, it's it's a bit of a rush to get everything together and out the door in time for an update. Um, because there's all sorts of little bits and pieces that you forget will trip you up. Uh, one of the things we found, of course, is that for the iPhone 5, you need iPhone 5-sized screenshots um, in order to submit an app that supports the iPhone 5. Um, so that was a, another afternoon's work for me to sort those out. <laughs> but, um, well, you know, that's not me complaining. It's, it's just one yeah. of those things that we didn't realize. We didn't factor into it. Um, we were still well ahead of schedule, but it's just one of those things that you come across and think, oh, yeah, that makes complete sense. But... Um, yeah, every time they do these new device things, you learn, you get your workflow better in line. It's very interesting that, like, when you think of it from that perspective, you you, you obviously want to rush to get it out as soon as possible, <coughs> but you don't want to like miss that, like the screenshots, for example, because then you get into you know you're rejected and and then you've got to start from the start again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can Apple wouldn't actually let you submit an iPhone five oh, app right. update without the right size screenshots. So it's not like you'd be rejected; you just couldn't get into review. Um, so yeah. So we spoke a little bit earlier about um, you know the fact that you know your real Mac and you're looking at iOS and stuff like that, and, and I mentioned we come back to this. Where do you see Apple's platform moving over the next you know five years and onwards? Do you, do you think we're going to be in the next ten years every display that we'll have is Retina, and how do you think that would affect things? Do you think we're moving to an iOS market? Um, I definitely think that we're going to Retina. I think the writing's on the wall for the standard definition display. I mean, there's rumors flying about a 13-inch Retina MacBook Pro coming tomorrow. Um, as with everything, it's going to take a little while before it becomes commonplace. But, you know, the iPhone 4 was a, a breakthrough. And now, two years, just two years later, every device that Apple sells, every iPhone that Apple sells is a Retina dis- device, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, it doesn't take that long. And... Um, yeah, Retina, Retina's on the, you know, that's that's coming over the horizon pretty quickly now. Um, I, I don't know. I, I definitely think that we'll see a lot more. Um, the the yearly releases of iOS and now OS ten, we'll see a lot more feature parity going forward, which I think is a good thing. Um, Mountain Lion especially feels like it's 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 really jumped leaps over Lion to be at iOS six level of maturity and feature parity. Um, but I, I honestly don't know. I don't like to speculate too far because I kind of like to be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds silly, but, um, you know, it's hard to be surprised when devices need to be made in their millions and they're inevitably going to leak. Um, but you know, this is, you got to hope. And I, I certainly believe that Apple have got some exciting things that we probably haven't thought of. I look forward to the, to being able to sit down, see an Apple keynote, and for us to be transfixed as we were when the iPhone was announced. I think the days of it's a phone, it's an iPod, it's an internet communicator are long gone now. Though I don't, I don't think Apple will be able to ever really surprise us to that level. No, I, no. No, but you, you, I kind of hope that they will. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason they were able to do that then was because. You know, they they announced it and didn't start shipping them for like six months with the original iPhone or something like that. It's comical by today's standards, really. Yeah, well, they can't afford that anymore because they still have product to sell, right? Yeah. But I, I was saying, I mean, I I feel like I knew exactly what the iPhone 5 was going to look like leading up to the event. I don't feel that way about the iPad mini, if there is one. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean... 
bearing in mind the rumors say this is going to launch on the, what November second, and they'll want to sell a million or multiple million in the first weekend. Yeah. Um. It's hard to hide that level of production. I mean, clearly something's coming. Um, I think I saw very briefly last night some talk about how courier um, slots have been booked up for that week or something. So, yeah. you know, there's something something moving that week. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what it is tomorrow. Um, I'm more excited about iTunes 11, actually, if I'm honest. <laughs> Why? Because I want to see what they've done with it, and I want to see whether it's is there a complete reimagining or whether they've just. I, I basically just want to see some of the stuff they've done because I think it's it's really interesting to see them adopt the iPad design, as that is you know the full width grid of icons, um, and to see how they've done that on the Mac, particularly when it comes to adding it to playlists and things. It's a more of an interaction nerd that wants to look at iTunes 11. Um, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm optimistic that it's going to be a, a fresh look at iTunes. Do you think we're going to see more about that then, or? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, the um, they said late October for the iTunes 11 launch, so it'll probably be thrown off a little bit more. They might, they'll probably just give it five minutes on stage to say, "Hey, this is what we announced earlier, and it's available today." Yeah. Um, and then on to whatever hardware they're going to fl- start flogging in a week's time. So I want to talk about other platforms. I want to talk about Android and uh, maybe Windows 8, Windows Phone 8. Um, do you, when you look at, the, I don't know how much experience you've had of them, but I'm sure you've you know seen things in the press. Is there anything about either of these platforms that draw you in at all? Um, I'll admit I don't care much for Android. Right. Um, I can't tell whether it's because I think that they offer people a bad deal, the handsets, with the fact that, you know, we're still, then they never get an update. Um, there's also, I have, I take issue with some of Google's hypocrisy over um, openness and whatever. Um, but they've certainly done a great job of bringing it up to something approaching aesthetics match with iOS. Um, it certainly felt, I've played with a couple of Android phones. They're probably really old now. Um, so it's not the most recent versions. And it's certainly helping people get on the smartphone wagon if they don't want an iPhone. Um, there's no denying that Android is seeing a lot of activations. But I think that Windows Phone 7, uh, to go back a generation, because, of course, it, Windows Phone 8 launches on the 26th, um, I think that that really does interest me because it's so fresh and so different and so deliberately so. Um, yeah. We have one of our um, somebody on Twitter at at Reality Check. He asked, "You get one of these for free. Which one do you want to choose? An iPad Mini, a Surface, or Google's Project Glass?" Um. Oh. <laughs> See, the easy answer is the iPad Mini. Yep. Um, because that's something I can tangibly take into the office and think, huh, how can we design for this and so we can go away and build something for it? The Surface I'm curious about. I think they, I think the communication's a bit odd for it. Um, I think their ads are, I don't know. I think it's definitely interesting. <laughs> um, 
And Google Glass, I'm just not convinced about strapping something to my face that has cellular. Yeah, there's... I don't know, quite right. Um, I enjoy being away from a computer, shocking as that may be. Um, and having it strapped to my face the whole time just seems like... It just seems overkill. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to be seen there, I think, um, as to why anybody would want to do that. <laughs> I think it's freaking cool. And, you know, kudos to Google, because, you know, they did this spectacular stunt to show it off in the summer. Yeah. Um, but... Maybe it will, you know. I hope that it'll, you know, that, that it'll justify its place. I'm, I'm more interested about the Google self-driving car, if I'm honest. <laughs> Let me talk to you about the Surface. Sure. So, I mean, I I think as along with a lot of the the tech press and people interested in the tech community, that you know yourself, myself included. Um, we all seem to be quite interested to try one of these devices out, which is interesting, you know, because it's coming from from Microsoft. Um, I think this is a, the way that a lot of the technology industry felt about the Nexus Seven. A lot of people were very interested to try that out, um, and was able to do so because it was it was relatively cheap um, yeah. compared to these, you know, to these other sorts of devices. Um, what is it about? I mean, do you have anything that you can put your finger on about the Surface that you find to be a compelling product? Um, I honestly couldn't say yeah. simply because I I haven't tried any any of Windows eight and I think that um, I I just maybe I'm struggling to see why I'd want a keyboard. That's the thing that I think like an actual physical keyboard. I've got my words per minute pretty high on the iPad, um, and I don't know. It seems I'm, I'm curious about it, but then I was also curious about the Palm Pre, and that didn't go so well. <laughs> um, you know, we us geeks have a you know we have a little ADHD, if you will. You know, oh yeah, go try the Palm Pre. That uh, was a bit it was cute, but not really fulfilling its promise. Palm Pre Plus, you know, they just bodged up the internals. It's the same stuff. Let's look at something else. Android was around, took the steam out of it. Um, and then, you know, the Pre 2 came out as a beautiful device, but it was ultimately too late by, you know, getting towards being too late at that stage. Uh, the Pre 3, of course, and the Veer and all of this stuff. Touchpad? Yeah, yeah. The touchpad. And the fire cell. The infamous <laughs> fire cell. Yeah, man. Yeah. But um, I'm definitely, you know, I'm definitely curious about the, um, the surface. Um, I I don't know how well it'll do. I'm uh, just reading here, literally just now, doing a little bit of research, that says that the 32 gigabyte Microsoft Surface is sold out yeah. here in the, in the UK. I believe it's sold out in, in most markets. Yeah, PC Advisor UK is saying that it's sold out, 32 so, gigabyte. It'd be interesting now, to see how many of them there were. I would expect quite a lot. Um, I can't imagine Microsoft would have produced only a small amount you know they've they've got the ability to to create things at mass. So um, yeah. I think it's and I, I genuinely think that it's because there is interest around this sort of device. Um, it's it's priced well. Um, yeah. It's unfortunately it's priced a little too high for me to pick one up just to try it out. Um, yeah. But you know I I do intend to own a Windows eight device of some description, whether that be a phone or a, a Surface at some point. I would happily play with a Windows eight 
Windows Phone 8 device. Yeah. If somebody were to send me one. Um, I, yeah. I'm very interested in the new Lumias. Um, I had a Lumia 800 that was sent to me by Nokia. Oh, nice. And I only had it for a couple of weeks and it's one of the most beautiful products I've ever seen. Like the, the build quality on those are, uh, they are just incredible and, and they look and feel. Forget, you know, Nokia is a great mm. hardware company. They've they're, been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Their devices, you know, they've, they've always had pretty good industrial design. It's just the software that's let them down over time. So I'm, I'm really interested to take a look at, I think it's the 920. My main, um, problem with the surface and i've mentioned this on a couple of other shows nick is that the um ppi is that you know it's it's like ipad one level um and in in you know in october 2012 i'm not happy paying five six hundred pounds for a device with that with that screen resolution yeah it's just not it's i just feel and this is my uh, my problem in anticipation of a non-retina ipad mini um, is that either that A has to be an extremely low price or B some other killer features that would make me want to buy one because I'm I'm kind of not interested in a non-retina device. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Although I do think I'm I'm really happy with my iPad too. I didn't upgrade this year wow. to the, the new iPad, and I'm very happy about that because I've found it's massively heavy the, the new iPad and yeah, the battery life and the charging has been. Um, some people have commented on that in the office, shall we say? Um, yeah, it's not. You know, I I have the the iPad free. I I only I wasn't going to get one, but I spent some time in in the in the states earlier this year, so I picked one up because it was you know cost effective. If I wanted to get one, I could get it for much cheaper. Mm. Um, but there are, I feel that there are some parts of the iPad free, as you mentioned, which aren't as great as I would have liked. I mean, it is heavier. Um, than I would have wanted it to be, and charging can be. I mean, you can't use it and charge it. Yeah, isn't exactly. It's um, it's crazy. Even with the ten watt charger. I mean, I find myself not really using my iPad. I mean, since I got my iPhone five, I haven't used it at all. I actually split my time between my um, iPhone five and my Nexus seven mainly, um, wow. and then obviously okay. my my MacBook Air. Um, I I like to read. Um, on the Nexus 7 because it's a great screen size and it's very, very light. Um, so, and for me, I mean, I, if I was going to be buying an iPad mini, I would be replacing my Nexus 7. But the Nexus 7 has close to retina resolution. So it, that well, kind of there's talk of the iPad mini, iPad Air, iPad Nano, I don't know, um, it being, what, 330 US mm. dollars, which is more than any of the other Seven-inch competitors. Yep. Well, there's been some hearsay as to the pricing, meaning it would be Retina, but I'm not going to read anything into that really. Um, if if they offer it for that price and it's not Retina, I think that that's a a real a real shame. To be honest, I, I really do think that that's a, a bit of a miss. But we I, have to wait. And I, I see. think that I think that people at the end of the day they'll still love it. No, oh, of course, and I'm sure that if I had one. I would, I would still love it, but I just don't think that I would necessarily buy in at that price because I, I don't think it would make sense for me. Sure, that's fair enough. So I've got an interesting question um, on Twitter from D Catry, and he asks: Does being in the UK ever put, um, or in your opinion, real Mac at a disadvantage? Um, speaking on my own voice, hmm. <laughs> um, <sighs> you know, Apple is a global company. The industry in which we work is a global company. 
in, it's a global industry, sorry. Um, and sure, you know, perhaps companies all over the world miss out by not being in the bubble of Silicon Valley. Yeah. But I think that we also have a lot, a lot more perspective as a result. Um, I think that there's still great things. There's great communities wherever you are, pretty much. Um, maybe if you're not in the, the tiniest of islands, perhaps. But in the UK, we've still got a really good, strong developer scene. There's a UK developer conference called NS Conference, which runs every year. Um, and there's typically a couple of hundred attendees there. So, you know, there's lots of folks out here in the UK Um Apple obviously has developer relations people in the UK. Um, uh, the App Store, I believe they have an editorial team in London for the UK store. Uh, so, you know, Obviously, outposts from Cupertino, Apple, whilst being a global company, still manages a lot from Cupertino. Um, I guess the only disadvantage is that with everything being in San Francisco, it's a little pricier to get to the conferences out there. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's just... That's that's a cost of doing business almost. Yeah, I mean, we have the same. Like, we have a relationship with Apple from a from you know creating podcasts and stuff, and they have guys um, that we speak to in the UK. They have guys we speak to in the United States. So, it, you know, it, it can. I mean, for me personally, with creating the content that I do, it's great because I talk to people in the middle of their day when it's my evening. Uh, but I can imagine for you when you're sort of coordinating an app launch that it might turn into a, a very, very long night. Yeah, I've had a few phone calls at sort of 8, 9 o'clock in the evening or I had to call Cupertino at 8, 9 o'clock in the evening. And that, you know, that's just, the, you know, I'm never too far away from things really, so it's not that big a deal. Um, eight hours is awkward. It always is. Um, trying to communicate with friends and family when you're when you're in San Francisco is tricky at eight hours. Um but you know, again, you just so long as you you know that's comes with the territory, then that's that. <laughs> so I think we're coming sort of to the end of the show, and this is usually where you know I say where people are online and such. And a, a notable um, omission for you, I think, is app.net. Now I don't believe you're on app.net, are you? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, maybe I should go and give them five dollars just to keep my username. That's always a good idea. Yeah. Um, I'm torn on app.net. I, I love the idea of it. Um, lots of people, lots of people who I know are not on it. And I don't think it, well, certainly over, over the last few weeks, I don't think it's necessarily justified my, the fact that I have to choose another social venue to check on what people are saying. If they're choosing not to post to Twitter. Um, I, I do have a certain apathy towards moving to another social network. I think there's a certain weariness in society as well that there's yet another social network we supposedly need to sign up for. I'm not trying to sound too contemptuous about it, but, you know, come on. The nerds were all rebelling about how Google Plus is just another social network, and yet they all go and sign up for app.net. So, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm open to the idea of signing up, and I've not written it off entirely, but I like Twitter, and I know that some of the stuff they're doing isn't all that great for some people. Um, I have to word it carefully because I do have a couple of friends who work there. Um, 
who are great people. They're not policy people. I should add. Um, <laughs> it's very important to state. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it wasn't so long ago that people wanted Twitter to make sure it was making money and it was sustainable. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I I have signed up for Tent. I haven't right. used it at all. Um, but um, I'm going to keep an eye on app.net. Um, it seems to be uh, certainly having its fair share of um, good media coverage and big app launches with NetBot, obviously. Um, and the guys from TapBots have clearly you know, they've done, they made a, good, a fairly big hit out of, out of NetBot. So that's great. It probably fits quite nicely into um, just before we do wrap up. Um, so I'm not, we're not going to be having an episode next week um, on the 31st, but I'm going to be back on the 7th. And I'm going to be actually be speaking with Dalton Caldwell, who's the CEO of App.net. So that will be – I'm looking forward <laughs> to that discussion. Um, it's going to be a really interesting discussion. I want to talk to him a bit about um, – the inception of the company, um, where they've come. I mean, you know, since since launch, they've gone through some massive changes. I want to, you know, talk about what it was like to raise money on their own, and then a lot of the changes that they've seen, and and the what I see, and I think a lot of us see is the uplift um, in activity, especially since Netbot launched. So that's going to be a really interesting show. So that's going to be on the 7th of November. Cool. So um, I urge you all to start getting your questions in now. And you can you can find me on Twitter. I'm imike, I-M-Y-K-E, obviously the same on app.net as well. Or you can go to 70decibels.com forward slash contact, um, fill out the contact form, um, and you can submit your questions that way. So Nick, you are Nick F. That's N I K F on Twitter, and you can be found at nickf.org as well. Yep, I should also mention uh, realmaxsoftware.com. Of course, <laughs> how could how could we forget? They are right at the top of the show notes, and the show notes are available at seventy decibels.com forward slash cmdspace. Anything else you want to plug or before we wrap up today? Um, no, I don't think so. Actually. Um, that's that's about it. Well, uh, and also congratulations on, on recently becoming a, a married man. Yeah, that's actually yeah. <laughs> Looking at the uh, last time I was on, it has been yeah. I got married right in the middle of the summer. So yeah, thank you. And that is uh, obvious. You know, you, we couldn't talk to you <laughs> until now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Planning a wedding and then a few bits of a few bits of travel and conferences has meant it's been a little bit tricky. Indeed. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and thanks to you all for listening to this week's episode of Command Space. We'll be back on the 7th of November. We'll be joined by Dalton Caldwell. Thank you. Bye-bye.